my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How okay. was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia. Episode five. We have an interesting guest on the show. In fact, his tagline is stay interesting. We're excited to bring to you CEO and founder of Ozzy.com, Carlos Carlos Watson. Watson. We've known Carlos for, I don't know, a few years now. And he is truly one of those people that walks in a room and you just want to hang out with him. Enamored, infectious, his he's, laugh. He's charismatic and he's charming and smart. Um, and what he's done with Ozzy is a total reflection, I think, of him as a person in some Agreed, ways. Agreed, totally. Right? So we're going to talk to him about Ozzy, where they're going, what they're thinking. And how to be different in a world of news media where everybody is chasing the clickbait and the lowest common denominator. And the breaking news. Right. And and Carlos, I think, has carved out his own niche. And there's a tone that's reflective that you go, oh, that's Ozzy. So happy to have Carlos on later. 
Yeah. But first. But first, we what went, a week. We went to the Twitterverse. Uh, we had so much fun talking with some of our loyal listeners. Thank you, Adlandia. And thank you for staying up with us to have a little bit of a... Late night banter. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And uh, one of our favorite followers at Go Chris Go or Go Chris Go or... Not Crisco. Not C-R-I-S-C-O. <laughs> yeah, he really engaged us in this interesting debate about influence. And it's something we've talked a bit about in different spheres. We've breached political borders. We've gone into media and talent. But he was talking just a straight up question about influencers. Yeah. Like, like what's happening influencer to influencers. Influencer marketing. Yeah. Influencer marketing. Is it going away? What's the future of it? Can we talk about that? And Laura and I said, yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about it because it's actually something that I think is a really um, prevalent topic right now. What's happened with YouTube and a lot of the stars um, talking about advertising and how important it is and the support and how important their voices are. I think marketers know instinctually that influencers command more of an audience and more audience stickiness, like they stay with you and they become fans better than any brand in some ways can do just, you know, by advertising. Yeah. And at Go Chris Go um, shared uh, an article that he had read on Forbes, which talks about our influencers, the idea of personalities, more effective than partnering, and this is for brands, with media companies? And our answer is yes. That is absolutely something that is possible. In most cases. I mean, I think it's yes done correctly. Correctly. And you bring up an interesting point because one of the things that, you know, we talk about being really important when you start dabbling in this space is oftentimes, and and we said this on our our Twitter handle, it's not necessarily about um, getting or aligning yourself with the influencer who has the most followers or who is the most popular. It's about getting with the right influencer who buys into and is authentically reflective of your brand. That is a huge difference. Well, it has to be someone who I think it goes back to like sharing values, like shares values with the brand, right? Shares what the brand episode one with Ben Cooley talking about, you know, when a brand and a media company or an influencer or personality come together where the magic happens is when they share a certain ethos ethos or a certain value or a certain perspective right. and that it benefits the audience. Yeah. And one of the things for brands to pay attention to when they get into this space is not necessarily lining yourself up with somebody who's going to promote your product one day and then the next day they've got somebody else's clothes on. It's really understanding how do you cultivate a relationship where that influencer inherently believes in those values, promotes such values yeah. and I think in their social profile or in their, their brand ecosystem. Yeah, and I think that brands in a lot of ways could think of influencers and talent as people who they want to actually invest in for the long haul or whatever the long haul is. Um, you can do, you know, short-term programs, but something where you say, I want to go in, work with this influencer on these things in a really meaningful way, not just do something that's maybe a little bit more ephemeral. Right. right? And just, you know, leans into culture for culture's sake, but is something that could stand the test of time. And I think what's interesting about that is when those two things come together, the earned value happens, right? An, An influencer who believes in your brand is more likely to put more into and amplify 
on their own on their own time or dollar or platform in a way that brands could never set themselves up to do with an actual transaction. I think if you have an influencer who is, you know, working with lots of different people and their values are changing based on whoever they're working with or who's paying them more. Yeah, they're probably not going to survive very long. Right. Right. I've got an idea. Tell us. What if we stop calling them influencers and we start buying perspectives? I love that. Because when you can line up perspective, these questions don't become questions. They become givens, right? There there are things that if you know what that person stands for, like Ariana Huffington. Sleep. Sleep. Well-being. Sleep and balance. And well-being. And and I think there's no mistaking what you're going to get out of that conversation. And because she's so passionate, it's so authentic. That brings us to the next kind of topic that we've been talking about. And everyone's talking about it. And in fact, when when we talked about talking about this, I kind of rolled my eyes and I said, I'm so done with the Pepsi conversation. But it's an important conversation to have. Because well, we want to put our spin on it. Yeah. Because we don't want to add to the noise. I think everybody's like, I'm over kind it. of circling I'm around over the it. same it was a mistake. three or four points for why... They, they either, shouldn't have done it. Yeah. How tone deaf. Like, we agree. It was a mistake. But the thing that we thought, there are a couple things that we were like, oh, but why? But why are people saying this? So one of the things that really got under my skin Our or skin. got my yeah. real panties in a bunch, <laughs> so to speak, was around um, the fact that people yeah. kept pointing at the in-house agency and saying, well, if they hadn't used the in-house agency. Or, and as a marketer, I actually took total offense to that yeah when, I, when we I'm were te- it was hilarious yeah. laura and i were texting and i was like starting to text this and she was like oh, i am <sighs> i can't even talk about it it makes me so frustrated and so why does that frustrate us well one i think that marketers in-house should be totally responsible as much as their agency for making great work, actually more responsible for because making Because they should great be work. close to the brand and understand the brand values and making sure that those things are reflected. I think one of the things that we got frustrated with was why should a marketer in-house be any less accountable than an agency, than an agency would if at the end of the day we're all marketers? Accountable and capable. Right. Right. Those were the two things. It was like accountable and capable. And what I it was funny. I said to Laura... Have we, as marketers, like, have we become expected to outsource our brain to agencies? Yeah, we that, did. Yeah. That kind of bothers me. So are we, like, brainless bodies and jobs saying, sure, just show me the media flow? <laughs> like, what, is that, what does that mean? And it, and it actually reflects some of the things that are happening in data, which was point number two. Right. Right? That really kind of, like, got our goat, which was, which got it gets... Goat? Well, I don't know. I'm Greek. We like goats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the interpretation of it, right? And I, and to me, it wasn't necessarily that they were any less tone deaf. It was that everybody who is a part of culture at this moment in time or has been for the last, I don't know, six months should have recognized many red flags on the field. And so whether you're somebody who is sitting internally close to the brand to me, that actually heightens the responsibility and accountability by saying, I've got to protect this house. Totally. And if my brand ethos is meant to be joy in this case or, you know, something for another brand that might mean X, how am I showing up in the world? And that litmus test should not be 
solely the responsibility of agencies. agencies. It should be the responsibility of the marketer. And it should be the responsibility of partners, right? Yeah. I mean, there were obviously a lot of people involved. There are always many people involved when making um, a cultural piece of that magnitude. And this is also why I believe comms planning, which quite frankly has been stripped away, automated, diluted complements of things like data and algorithms, where, you know, some person somewhere said this is a, a very um, pervasive, pervasive trend, trend yeah. or, or cultural moment. And this is an opportunity for us to seize in our way instead of really paying attention to cultural context and what audiences have to say. And this is where the idea of I'm not so sure test and learn is really at this day and age where we need to be starting. I think it's more about listening and building and like using your gut. But the thing that like so I used to work for Pepsi. They were my client early in my career. It's actually the first client I ever had was Pepsi. I have a love for Pepsi. I actually have a love for Pepsi and Coke. But Pepsi is totally built on being a reflection of pop culture, whether it was in Russia, whether it's with Michael Jackson and Britney Spears. They've been this amazing reflection of pop culture. And what I think we saw here, which made me really sad, was a brand not knowing where they fit in anymore. Like you, it's it's like you're like, like this I, I is read, pop culture. Yeah. We're reflecting it. Hey, here it is, guys. This is what pop culture looks like. And not doing more evaluation, to your point, around like, okay, we understand that millennials want to stand for something, that they want to be involved, that they want to do good. And yes, this is a global ad, so we can't be specific about anything, but we want to reflect But those values. are universal themes, what you just went through. But there are many ways to show up in culture if you're paying attention to what audience and your consumer has to say. The brand, to me, was in an emergency of self-identity. And that's what we're seeing is yeah, like this an emergency of self-identity. But and to your point around comms planning, like data ain't a strategy, folks. And in it this case, the strategy, strategy. showed. I, I, I love this line. Yeah. And I've heard a couple of people use it lately. Like your strategy is showing. I mean, their strategy was all yeah, out was there for us to see. Strategy. But I think where this brand struggled the most in the last five to eight years has been, again, they're this mirror on pop culture. They've never been a Pepsi. You never look at Pepsi and be like, Pepsi's a leader of culture. No, Pepsi's a reflection of culture. Right. And now I think that they've been in this like almost like, you know, emergency of self, right? Of who are we? What would have been the right tone? I mean, wh what would have been to strike a balance to lean into millennial culture how would we have done it differently? I mean, I think that I would have gone down maybe more of a influencer route. I would have, if I really, if I really wanted to rally people around the idea and the zeitgeist of social unrest, but people coming together in social unrest to form new communities, um, new dialogues, those types of things, and that Pepsi somehow was like the universal connector, right? I like that. I would have probably gone down a route of going really local and doing it globally all over the world and not probably with giant pop stars, but probably investing in up and coming talent that I wanted to have a longer term, again, relationship with. So going back to what we were talking about earlier. So I think what we've talked a bit about over the course of our first few episodes is getting back to community and grassroots. Yeah. And there were undertones of that 
reflected. 100%. But if you extract the grassroots and you extract subcultures and passion points and you start to say, what are the things, if I'm listening truly to the millennial Pepsi consumer, who are those subcultures? Not the generic ones we've come to expect, but who truly, are they sneakerheads? Are they collaborative artists? Are they interpretive dancers? You know, you get the point. And then understand, to your point, if I put a Pepsi in their hand, which presumably stands for joy, what does that community galvanize around? And there's your content series. Yeah. Because the product is reflective of an emotion. Totally. And that emotion has been joy, but put in the wrong context. Here we are. Yeah. Hey, can I ask a question? Sure, Cam, our producer. You can ask a question. The thing that you guys didn't bring up, but the thing that I thought of as a consumer was like the second a commercial is political at all, I'm extremely skeptical because they're using something really serious to sell something. And then in this case, they suggested that a can of Pepsi can beat the solution to police brutality, which which no one's going to buy. But I mean, how do brands even, you know, touch on political topics if people like me kind of like are averse to that to begin with. Because I think they have to talk about it from like a, so, okay, how do brands touch on political topics without being, icky. without being, icky. Well, I think funny. like they have, you have to go back to, it's not funny. I would say it's, well, funny, it's funny. You funny. should ask because one of our Twitter followers asked us, you know, how do you think about advising your clients around politics and we talked a bit about it on our first episode with uh, Jay Horowitz and Ben Cooley and I'll go back to what the core theme of that show was core values core values and like Ben talked a lot about um, if there's five things that are on your front wall when you walk in the door like if the if the company actually if the the people do not feel like that is actually who the brand is, then you shouldn't even be talking about it externally, I think is what you're saying. Right. I I, I doubt Pepsi has a big, like, Black Lives Matter sign in their lobby. It shouldn't have been about politics. It should have been about people. And And values. Right. Right. And that's what they were trying to do. And then, you know, having some weird policeman, basically, which was like the modern Tiananmen Square thing, right, with the Pepsi. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't really totally. So, I don't know why they did that. And it made it definitely more political. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like they even, and I don't know because I'm not part of the world and you guys might disagree, but I feel like the ad would have been fairly successful if a pepsi hadn't even appeared in the commercial totally agree interesting i totally agree with that like banner at the end because commercials do that all the time you're like what the hell is this about it's not about the product and then you see the product flash and you're like well okay yeah what if they had said something like you know now's the time where we need more joy that commercial ends completely different right so anyway we could go on about this i mean everyone has and everyone's talked about it and i think like the reason we decided to talk about it was because those things were kind of just really rubbing us. So we did. And we hope you enjoy. And you'll always get that from us, Atlandia. So we'll be right back with Carlos Watson from Ozzy. Stay, Stay with tuned. us. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. 
Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Welcome back, everybody. We are excited to have Carlos Watson from Ozzy.com in the studio with us today. Carlos Watson, co-founder of Ozzy.com, this breakout media company that we've been watching for a few years now. Uh, Carlos, thanks so much for joining us. It is really fun to be with you guys. As we were saying before, when last I saw you, you were uh, carrying a beautiful baby girl to be. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm slightly smaller, yeah. but I can't say all the way. Yeah. Well, you know what? She uh, she did her part, and uh, I assume she's healthy and she's, happy. She's very healthy, happy, and a lot of fun. Good. Thank Good. you. Good. She is Alexa's mini me. Yeah. She is a mini me. She is. Feisty. Watch out, world. Oh, I like yeah. those. Oh, I like those. I like those. So, Carlos, thanks for coming to Atlandia. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we came back on the air and really excited to see the tremendous growth you've had in the last three years or so. Yeah. And like I think, breakout growth. It, you know, it has been, it's funny because before we started, I was lucky enough to get to have some conversations with Ariana Huffington and I got to talk to the folks that, who started Politico and the folks who started Slate and BuzzFeed and the folks from Bleacher Report. And so we tried to do our homework even as we tried to prepare our plan. And we ended up coming to learn a couple things. One, we didn't realize how old a lot of the well-known digital media companies were. And so Shane Smith made it clear to me that he wasn't a four to five-year-old company. He's a 25-year-old. For... We were just talking we about We were this. literally just talking Crazy. about this. It the 90s, right? Crazy. Since the yeah. early 90s. And Vox, through its various incarnations, is almost yep. 14, 15 years old. BuzzFeed, 12, 13 years old. Refinery29 has been around 12, 13 right. years old. Thrillist, Ben was just telling me, I mean, they've passed a decade. And so we still are relatively young bucks. And what mm -hmm. I really have come to appreciate is how long it often takes to get any kind of meaningful momentum. And so I'm even more appreciative that in our first three years, I feel like we've offered something really good to our audience, whether it's our presidential daily brief or our daily features. And I feel really good about the kind of audience that we've built. There's uh, a lot of what we call A&Es, addicts and evangelists. Ooh, and, I like uh, and that. That's a good and, one. Uh, you know, and then there are a lot of new opportunities like events and like television. One of the things that Alexa and I really have enjoyed watching, and maybe you've just studied the industry really well, is that when it seemed like everybody started to go right and chasing the lowest common denominator, looking for scale, in some instances, almost replicating the model in terms of coverage, in terms of format, Ozzy seemed to veer left. Ozzy was always actually built for people who think of the word different as a positive. Yeah. Right? Because there are people to whom you can say, hey, this food's going to be a little bit different, and they actually get more excited. Or you have people say, hey, it's kind of a different kind of dude, and they go, oh, okay, I actually will meet him. Yeah. Then, right? What so, about the people who uh, are scared of different food yeah. but love different people? Oh, you know what? We like those kind of tweeters. Got to throw left and kick right. Yeah. I won't we eat like, mayonnaise, uh, but I'll hang out with you. Is that like an ambidextrous yeah. Uh, yeah, consumer? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, we, we like those. Because uh, I think Alexa and I are that. Yeah. Well, uh, some ways. Uh, you know what? Then uh, come on down and spend some uh, more time with Ozzy. Uh, we, from the very beginning, wanted to be different. There was that thing on uh, Sesame Street. Some of these things are I not like, like the, the other. other. Some of these Love not that. Same. And we wanted to be different because there are no winners in the long lines. You know, the short lines are where the winning is, yeah. right? And so we were comfortable being in a different place. We were comfortable not going, as you said, for the lowest common denominator. We really admired what HBO did and said, you know what? I'm not going to do a million different shows. I'm going to do a handful. But they're really, gonna really well. They're going to be really, really well. well. They're going to be monsters, and you're going to be excited about it. And so in our mind was always Apple, HBO, Tesla. Do a few things really well, and, and don't just have people like you have 
see if you could have people fall in love with you. Was that the impetus to be in the Valley was because you admire and want to exemplify certain things that Apple, Tesla, and tech companies other, right, essentially, Google have yeah. done? Yeah. The biggest part of the reason was, unfortunately, my mom was really sick. And so I moved out there. But I love the Valley and I stayed because I think it's a place where people have seen crazy things happen yeah. and where they can indulge your idea and not immediately skeptically push it aside. That, that enough, no, they can see it actually come to life. Because enough, yeah. enough yeah. of their neighbors went to go join some crazy sounding thing called Uber or Google right. or Snapchat and won. And so in New York, they're always like, get the, am I allowed to say something? Yeah. Like, Did yeah. I get the fuck out of here? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, uh, I'll, let, I'll let Laura do the Jersey access, but. but, but <laughs> we all will. Right? But, but, but It was pretty good though. But out in the Bay, they'll say like, tell me more. Yeah. Now, they still may walk away from it, but they'll say, tell me more. And so I thought there was power in that. And then the other piece of it is I wanted my team, even when we had the chance, we had investors who were pushing us even after we started to move to New York. And I said, you know what? If my guys move to New York, they will fundamentally compare themselves to the New York Times, to BuzzFeed, to yep. Vice. Interesting. And no disrespect, I want my guys comparing themselves to Apple, yep. to Uber, to Tesla. Why aren't media companies like Ozzy... Right. Like some of the smaller players, but some of the newer players on the scene, why can't they be the ones who are creating technologies and architectures for new products in ways that we're not thinking about? So everyone looks at like the AT&Ts, right, or the Googles or the Apples and says, oh, they're going to be the ones. Right. We assume, why can't, yeah, why can't, why can't media can't, companies be the disruptor? And even like media companies that are what I would say are more niche like, in some ways, because you were creating the A and the E's, right, in audiences. Were you eavesdropping on our meetings last week? Do you know what's coming in Q4? No, we like Christmas. to know no, what's coming around the like, corner. You got to tell us. Oh. This no, is why people is, come to Atlantia, Carlos. <laughs> we have these conversations. Well, uh, so the only folks in media who've kind of used tech is BuzzFeed used it a little bit when they were kind of gaming social. And obviously now they just pay for it. And the New York Times has kind of used tech from personalization to kind of uh, – a little bit of virtual reality to other things. But there's not a media company yet, and obviously I realize that Facebook and Snapchat and others would be offended and would say we are media companies. Right. But there's not a media company yet in my mind that has clearly said I'm media and technology. Just riffing on that from the tech standpoint, it's interesting that you want your employees, your competitive set, presumably to consider you as, let's just say, media and tech. Mm -hmm. Yet when we were talking a little bit earlier about you going left, Alexa had this really great kind of synopsis in saying, Ozzy is credibly human. Yeah. You went and bridged relationships, not with the Googles and the Facebooks. You went and bridged relationships with PBS. With PBS. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said, and so well synchronized, maybe because I have three sisters. I like partners. <laughs> um, <laughs> you realize you have to uh, uh, go along to get along. <laughs> we always said that we were out to thrill our audience. That doesn't sound like a special thing to say until you realize that most companies well, how are, hard that is. are looking to serve their audiences. And I don't mean any disrespect to a lot of the people we know, but you know, most of the companies you know, as much success as Dell has had, as much success as Delta have, they would probably say we do a good job of serving our customers. What JetBlue, when they first started, what Apple has said, what others want to say delight. is they, they want to, yeah, they want to thrill and delight. And that's what Ozzy's always been about. I met a few years ago a guy named David Neeleman who had founded uh, JetBlue, helped found JetBlue. And I loved JetBlue when it first came out. I would 
switch flights. I would pass up business class or first class just to fly with them. I loved them. And I remember I met him at LaGuardia. And when he finally realized I wasn't a stalker and stopped and talked (laughs) and just that I was just a super fan, I was like, how in the world did you build something that I really like this much? Because you don't really have an emotional reaction to an airline. What I love that he said was that for all the analysis he did, in the end, he kind of followed his heart and his gut. And he wanted to be happy and other people like him. And so he's a slightly tall guy, tired of his knees getting banged. And so he created seats with more room, not just for himself, but for everyone. You know, he was a guy who was flying often from the West Coast, the East Coast, Utah to New York. And he said, Carlos, if I could have had anything in that time, I would have had TV time. And so I don't know if you remember, they were the first to put a TV right. they, yeah. on the back. And he had like That's why I kids. used to fly them. Yeah, and they had like, yes. and they had full channels. They had full right? channels. Direct and it was TV. free. Yeah. yeah. They had all kinds of crazy. So I say all that just to say that part of the reason why I hope you were, feel like we were different and we are human is that for all the studying we did, in the end, we were willing to put our books down and kind of look in the mirror and kind of say, what would make you fall in love? Yeah. And and that's what we tried to build. So do you get that from experience? Because one of the things that Alexa and I were poking at a little bit is what audience is the Ozzy sweet spot? So we have a theory. Ozzy is actually super serving an audience that is not necessarily spot on millennial and not Definitely in the older boomer, but somewhere in the Gen X millennial crowd, people who are maybe a little bit more seasoned in their career. Experienced. Right? More, mm. more, yeah, more experienced, seasoned consumers and people who are looking for maybe something slightly different. It's not the different take on the same story. It's, it's give a me a different story right. yep. and put it in context to things that are happening culturally, politically, economically, from a business standpoint. I think you guys do that probably better than anybody else. Agreed. So when Laura and I were talking about it, we were like, right. are they millennial? Not from it our perspective. Feel like, it actually yeah. feels like you're super serving, maybe a slightly older 36, I'm 36, 36 year old to 45 year old audience that are ravenous readers. Curious, interested, yeah. I think you were right that we've got a love affair with them. And I think with millennials, when we first started, people thought it was bullshit if I said it. But I used to say that our audience was like what I call the change generation. They were people who weren't just okay with things being different or they didn't just tolerate things being different. Actually, different had positive connotation. And different might mean different food, different clothing, different places to travel, different people to date and marry. But that fundamentally, they weren't just open to it, but like it like had a positive connotation. And not everything, but that more often than not, they would say, why not, and give something a shot. And that that was our tribe. And that while that might disproportionately skew millennial and Gen Xer, it really was more about a mindset. And in yeah. fact, what was funny was that my mom, may she rest in peace, who was an 80-something-year-old teacher, felt very strongly that Ozzy was for her. And she would literally put up her dukes with anyone who would try and tell her that it was just for my niece, who at the time was uh, 20 and in college, and who would say, you know, Grandma, this is for me. This is my thing. Why are you trying to read Ozzy? And she was like, because Ozzy is for me. Ozzy is for whoever's curious, whoever's open. I hope Ozzy has a nice mix of seriousness and sexiness, right? Oprah, both smart and sexy. Or as someone told me really well, Heidi Browning, if you're listening, (laughs) I loved it. She says, smart is sexy. And uh, and so I love that when she said that. And I think that that's hard because I think a lot of the sites that are known as millennial sites, if I'm honest and you're honest, they feel a little thin. Millennials have eclipsed as the highest population in the world. How many billions of people are we talking about? There's not one 
thing that ticks them off. There are a million, and they're sometimes even different. I went to China a couple of years ago. I was pregnant when I went to China. And I sat down with a bunch of like, I don't know, tastemakers, entrepreneurs, people in business, marketers, and had these conversations about Chinese, quote unquote, millennials, right? And the difference that everyone said, and this was in separate conversations, was they could like things that are actually at cross purposes. They could actually believe in brands as strongly that has one perspective and another one that has a completely opposite perspective, but somehow that works out. And I think that we're going into this place, right, in culture, in media, where you could be a conservative African-American that totally loves Kid Rock. From an advertising and marketing perspective, sometimes we underserve and under delight that full total set of interests. The idea that we're rallying around like-minded communities that have nothing to do with where you're from, how you were raised, what your ideology is, but we all gravitate to this thing, whether that leans into politics, whether that leans into the arts, whether, you know, whatever it is that you may be covering, there's no barrier to entry. It's just you really need to enjoy this thing. Yeah. Yeah. You've leaned a lot into this idea of natural, authentic conversation and are building franchises around it. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of that original IP and some of the programming that you're going into, some of the events? I love when you told me the best brands that are coming to the table are the ones who are asking for experiences, whether that's events or otherwise. You guys are doing Aussie Fest. Yeah. yeah. So what's yeah. what's the premise for the original IP and where are yeah. you going with it? We started digitally with the idea, could we not just catch you up on the day's news, but help you vault ahead and be that place that helped you discover not just original takes, but original stories. We started hearing pretty early because we do fairly detailed surveys that people were saying they use different words. They were saying, as much as I like Ozzy online, I wish I could see Ozzy in the real world. And so we started thinking about it first doing kind of small events in the way that Fortune and the Atlantic have done. But then a very smart woman who is an Ozzy addict who works for the city of New York was like, guys, you're not thinking big enough. She said, South by Southwest used to be something really special. It's gotten a little sprawly. Why don't you guys really commit yourselves not to playing small, but really to building the next South by Southwest? And so we've made a five-year commitment to the city of New York to build something called Ozzy Fest in Central Park. My favorite review called it Ted Meets Coachella. Yeah, Uh, it's it's actually perfect. Yeah. Yeah. With the success of that, we now have begun doing smaller events all around the country. So we've done them in D.C. and Boston and got one coming up here in New York, San Francisco, a variety of other places. And we're now – I'm excited. We're going to smaller towns and uh, places. And uh, Is that inspired yeah. by everything that's going on it in, is in, in the current it is political part. climate? We, part of that, but we always wanted to do that. There was a guy, Gordon Donnelly. Gordon, if you're listening out there in Missouri, <laughs> we still love you and remember you. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but Gordon lived uh, outside of Ferguson. Ferguson in kind of a relatively uh, rural, rural suburban area. Gordon was an Aussie addict who saw some of our Aussie t-shirts online. And he was like, how do I get one of those? And we were like, uh, sign up five of your friends. And about a week later, Gordon comes back and has signed up 50. Bam. And, uh, so did he get 10 t-shirts? And so he got 50. And so, <laughs> and so we sent them with love. But I'd been lucky enough to get together with President Clinton before we launched Ozzy. And he really liked the idea. And he said, Carlsby, you have to promise me something. He says, you have to promise me that Ozzy's not – he didn't use his words. is isn't just going to be for yuppies. He said, because yeah. there are a lot of nurses who work the overnight shift 
Uh, there are a lot of taxi drivers. Uh, there are a lot of people who are curious who want to know. And whether or not they had the same education opportunities or took the same route, they're every bit as curious. And so you got to promise me that what you're doing is about curiosity and not about a degree. And so we have always known and believe that our audience played all around the world. It wasn't just in blue states and big cities. Um, it wasn't just in the U.S. And so we're doing events in places that people might not immediately expect. It's going to be fun and it's exciting. We're doing a 50-state tour. I so love that. So we're going to all 50 states and we call it States of the Nation. When are you kicking that off? Uh, we just kicked it off. Ah. So uh, I'm getting ready when to When are you head. coming to New Jersey? You know, that's actually a good question. I don't know when we're hitting the Jersey you won't Shore. Be there. You'll be in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Are you syncing up with Cory Booker? He's doing so much of this this activism yeah. on the ground. And... You know, he was one of the stars of our first Aussie Fest. He was such a winner uh, at our first Aussie Fest and uh, was so good. We were fortunate uh, to have him, to have Carl Rove, to have Malcolm Gladwell, to have the Broad City Girls, to have Love that. Issa Rae, to have Alex Coronicelli, to have all kinds of folks play in the sandbox and make it, uh, in India they call it masala. You know, make it a really nice mix. Mm-hmm. and Like uh, gar masala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what is next for Ozzy? Like big, big swings. When we yeah. met, like what, two, it was like two years ago yeah, now. Yeah. You came in and you talked about the Valley. You talked about what people aren't thinking about. I think you've paid off on that in so many ways. But I know that there's more. We know that there's more. Um you know, not every media company or publisher has someone like you that's as charismatic and also approachable. You know, one of our investors, Ron Conway, has probably been the most successful angel investor in history. You know, Facebook, Google, Twitter, LinkedIn, Uber, Snapchat, Pinterest, you know, on and on. Almost sounds made up. But he reminds me, again, last week, he's like, Carl, I invested in over 700 companies. And while I've got arguably the greatest record for an angel investor ever at the garage stage, not once it's clear it's going to win, but when it's just a person or two or three people and an idea and a dream, he said the reality is that nine out of 10 don't win big. He's like, you got to stay humble because the chances are just as easy that you're one of the nine as you are the one, right? At any time. By the at, way, at any time, yeah. at any time. And so Samir and I always say that we're in the sweet 16 right now. Like we use basketball. Analogy. <laughs> we said like we played our way into the sweet 16 and we haven't cut down the nets and won the championship yet. But we're in the sweet 16, maybe the elite eight. So and, what gets you to the final four? What What are yeah. those big swings? So I think a couple things have to be true. One is I think uh, our friends advice very smartly led the way and said that if you're doing good work in one platform, it should be able to live in other places. We were just talking about and, this. And we the agree. idea that high-quality digital series can become television and film, I think, makes complete sense. And you guys know we were fortunate to sell our first show last year. We haven't announced it. We just sold our second show. Congrats. We've partnered with CAA, and we hope that we've got you know a couple more shows coming. And so we think that that's a real meaningful part of us. And it's a meaningful part not only as a revenue driver and as a chance to partner with brands in ways that they really want. But it's also an opportunity, I think, to build our own brand. And for a lot of people, that's how they'll discover Ozzy, is through a show like The Contenders or a couple of the others that we have coming up that are going to be awesome and great. But Do, do you want to say a uh, little? No. You I wish I could. <laughs> okay. but the, but, You'll come but, back and tell us. But when you watch Ozzy or listen to Ozzy or read Ozzy, whether it's about Brazil's crazy hot dogs or the young foreign minister in Austria or the crazy thing that's happening treating addiction these days, the idea of vaccinating yeah. away addictions, you're learning. We think over the long term, 
people may take courses and maybe even mm. one day do even kind of more advanced kind of education. Mm. And so, you know, you think about Oprah starting as a talk show host and by the very end, you know, causing more people to read than anyone else, right? Yeah. Um, causing more people to change their lives. Than anyone else. So I think if Ozzy becomes the world's best teacher, I think that's one big opportunity that I actually think will speak again to what you were saying earlier, that there's kind of a deeper level of substance to Ozzy than maybe there are uh, not only originality, but substance. Um, and so I think that will end up um, being something that people may not always articulate, but they will know. But I also think it's something that people will pay for. And I think there's going to be a big opportunity there. The other thing is, and I have to give one of my sisters credit for this. She says, when I hear that a guy reads Ozzy, uh, it tells me he's not going to talk about himself all night. Mm, interesting. And she wow. says, she says cool. I immediately know that he's a curious person and that he's open and I'm, you can tell him. Maybe, and then he's outward. And he's outward. Yeah. And so I actually think that Ozzy could end up going down one day as one of the greatest matchmakers in history. Swipe left. Swipe left and right. You and know, right. You, you remember. Wait, that, is it left or right? You, I'm married. I don't know, people. <laughs> I don't know. But I also think that there's a, what you're kind of, I think, nicely nodding without telling us yeah. is that there's totally new ways of building community that you're looking at. Very right? much so. Very much so. And, I mean, and, that's, and that's I, it. I would say more than that, I would say that our audience is looking at. And I would say, honestly, that they are driving us towards. I mean, you know, part of what I'm telling you about education is yes. because we have over 100,000 professors and teachers who have written in or at various points have let us know that they are Aussie readers and are using them in the classroom from high schools in Melbourne, Florida, to Brown University, from the military academy to community colleges in California. And the fact that people are, are you know, assigning our presidential daily brief to their students or or using what we call a modest proposal to spark debates, you know, it's kind of pulled us into the education sphere more aggressively than, than we are. So. Which, is, ironically, you don't hear a lot of media companies talking about. Like, I remember about just education? Being, in, being in college and it's like, what was your source of reference? And I don't really remember it being like this broad reaching scope of like media companies. Like there were some traditional credible... Resources. That you were listening to, that yeah. your professors were bringing in and talking about? Yeah, I just about. don't remember, like, somebody saying, hey, did you see on, I mean, blah, granted, blah, blah. Ben, a homepage Ozzy. of whatever, yeah. like, I, which I think is a really interesting white space for, for media companies to be leaning into. This is a really simple lesson for brands. Listen. Just listen. Right? Like, you're not saying we're going to create audiences where we think audiences need to be created. We're listening and they're driving us there, and we're going there. And then we're building. And then we're building. Right. That's ex- that's it, you Carlos. drove it home. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, Carlos, leave our listeners at Landia. Last tweet um, of the show. What's interesting to you? You talk about staying interesting. What's interesting to you as the last tweet of the, of the show? I'm always interested in unlikely suspects and people who weren't supposed to have a podcast or weren't supposed to start a company or weren't supposed to be a writer or weren't supposed to do a movie like Moonlight. Yep. And I want to know how that happens and what we all can take from it in order to be a little bolder, maybe a lot more bold. Inspired by the Davids. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, Carlos, you inspire us. Yeah. And we yeah. always learn something new and interesting from you every time we see you. And so have fun. We always have, have fun, fun with, with you. Your energy is infectious. You know, I like being in Atlanta. I'm coming back. <laughs> you are, you are back. welcome anytime. Thank you. Carlos, Watson, everybody, thank you so much for stopping thank you guys by. For Carlos, if people want to find you, yes. like someone in, in Missouri, 
Story. Yeah, yeah. How do they find you? Um, you could uh, find me on Twitter. You could find me on Facebook. Uh, lots of good ways. Also, Carlos Watson at Ozzy.com. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Okay. Talk to you soon. Take care. Big thanks to Carlos Watson for coming down to Brooklyn to record with us. Um, all the way from California. Big fans of Ozzy. Check them out. Central Park. Ozzy Fest in Manhattan. It's going to be awesome. This summer. That said, we have a couple people to thank. Cameron Drews. Who was active today. Cameron Drews on the microphone, people. Our producer. Laura Mayer. Matt Turk. Andy Bowers. All of our family at Panoply. And we have one request to our listeners. If you're liking Adlandia, review us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you can review. And also get into conversations with us. We're having some fun banters back and forth on um, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so go ahead and follow us at Twitter at Adlandia Podcast. And we'll be back in two weeks with another show. We're out. Thanks, Adlandia. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.